right, everybody. Welcome back. Another week, another show. We've got some fun things to talk about today. Some cool updates we kind of teased uh, yesterday on Instagram, if you were listening. Uh, I think we just probably want to kick it off right there with with that conversation. Yeah. Because um, it's a little bit of some news dropping, but it's also a chance for us to talk about uh, a little bit of the reasons why we decided mm-hmm. to do what we're doing. Um, and then the, you know, to just jump right into it, we've really kind of launched our first partnership mm-hmm. as a show, which is cool. It's been something that we've talked about doing with companies that we enjoy. Uh, and, and you mentioned it yesterday on the Instagram post that you did that kind of teased it. Like it really is more than just, we're looking for people who want to sponsor the show, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's usually you're going to be one of our friends or an extended network of our friend groups that owns companies, because those are the people whose stuff we use, right? That's kind of the whole point is it's got to be a product that we use, that we enjoy, that we're connected to not only the product, but like the people, Mm -hmm. you know, through the relationships that we've built. And so the one that we've, uh, that we've got going now is with born primitive outdoors, which just officially really launched last year, like about mm-hmm. a year ago, exactly, actually. And uh, they were awesome in developing relationship with you over the course of last year. And you got to try a lot of their stuff out last year. I had Bear on my podcast last fall, right about the time that they launched. Um, and he sent me out one of the jackets, which is awesome. I wore it all last season on, on all my hunts last year. And uh, after talking so much, just kind of seemed like it was a really good fit because we've come to know those guys really well and we really mm-hmm. enjoy the stuff that they make. I mean, Aaron Snyder is obviously integral part of helping develop a lot of that mm-hmm. stuff. And so us being so, you know, you know, fans to a degree, but just like really respectful of him and what mm-hmm. he does for the hunting <clears throat> community and all the things that he does just for the outdoors community in general. It really, for me anyways they've always kind of seemed like a really good fit for what we're trying to do because born primitive also obviously is a, I guess I can't say obviously if you don't know who they are, but they're a fitness apparel company first yep. and bear used to be a CrossFit games athlete. Like he came from a lot of that stuff. He came from military and a lot of their guys are all uh, veterans on the upper, you know, managerial levels and stuff, but it started as a fitness company. And so to blend that with the outdoors, I mean, that's like, pretty much exactly what we're trying to do with the show and the stuff that we put out as well. And so it seemed like a really good fit. And like I said, we've both tried their products for the last year and loved them. Like we put them through the ringer, the stuff that we had. And uh, again, it was just one of these things that made sense for us to, to work something out with them. And I'll let you kind of elaborate a little bit because what we really wanted to make known is that it is a, something that we're working together. Mm-hmm. with these guys on this stuff it's not just you know hey here's some gear talk about it if you want mention it on a 30 second ad spot on the pod right like it's there's a little more to it than that yeah well the the cool part about this is um you know kind of the bloodlines of this relationship just to give a background from my perspective yeah. like you said you, t- you had bear on your show and bear is kind of the founder of the whole operation of born primitive and um for me my introduction to born primitive was through Aaron Snyder and through Kafaru. And the way that I was introduced to Kafaru was through big Chino. I was on an elk hunt out there, um, packing my elk out actually. And the first time that I'd packed an elk out, I was using another pack. It failed on me and 
you know, out in the middle of that exchange in the middle, in the middle of a pack failing, uh, having meat on the side of the mountain, having cactus in my arm, a pissed off mentality and just wanting to get back to the truck. Uh, I was given a, a Kafaru pack and that's what all the guys out at big Chino run. So I put the thing on, uh, immediately felt different than the, than the last pack and just had a really good experience with that. Ordered one for the next hunt, killed my own elk the next year and was packing that out and through that process was just thanking Aaron for making such a good bag and was talking yeah. about how hard how hard Arizona is on equipment and he was like oh man I know you know like that led into the conversation about right well this thing's coming from born primitive outdoor you know we got some stuff coming I'm helping with that um and not to say like we're we're best friends and we talk all the time this was just through a series of him helping me with my recurve um, and you led did in. Aaron's pod as well, right? Yeah, I did the Kafaru cast. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, and that was that was really the genesis of a lot of things. That was the genesis of me shooting a recurve. Um, Aaron, off air, somewhat more than challenged me to to pick it up and kind of push with it. He said, "You just have seemingly the right kind of mentality for it." So I took that as a personal challenge. You know, like like I've said before, if if Michael Jordan handed you a basketball and was like. I think you got a chance to make it big. Like you're probably going to see something in yourself that you don't see already. So yeah. that was, that was big. And then whenever he got the, the, the line kind of sorted out and designed out, he asked me to, to try some of the gear I did. Uh, there were some early like threading issues and then they got that adapted really, really quickly. I don't think it impacted too many of the orders of, of beyond the first few, you know, like it was just a small number. But then uh, they got that sorted out. I wore the gear all year long last year. Uh, really, really comfortable. Really, really versatile and like flexible. You can, you can yeah. modify the layering system. It just works really, really well. It's, it's you literally wear the pants like every day still to just in, around. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I'll, I'll be completely honest. I've got three <laughs> three pairs of pants that I wear typically, and that is, uh, I have a couple pairs of the Carhartt, just kind of like straight leg you know, cell phone pocket on the, on the side kind of pant, yep. the frontier light and heavyweight. And then, uh, there's a pair of off the grid pants that I still wear that are pretty awesome. So that's really kind of my rotation, um, of, of pants, but these are just probably the standout because they're so versatile. They've got so many well thought out pockets and not to go too deep into the, the product line with, without finishing this story, but sure. you know, got the products, tried them all, really really liked them all was was given the opportunity to give feedback good bad in between and to actually find out yesterday that some of those things have been implemented some of those changes have been have been taken to heart because you know that's that's part of what any company has to do is constantly evaluate and improve so yesterday i was introduced to a guy named kirk gamanchi he was connected to me through mike hearn who is also a friend of aaron snyder and you know, when I was talking to Kurt yesterday, um, we were just kind of catching him up to speed. He's new on the job. He's a former, uh, he's a former, well, he's a veteran and uh, former Navy SEAL and comes into the fold uh, kind of in that transitional job stage, sets up, he's got a new position here and we start talking. And, and I was just very, very straightforward with what I wanted to do. I wanted to further my relationship with Born Primitive Outdoor. I wanted to help him and in any way that I could. And he was like, well, what do you need as far as gear? And I just made some very small suggestions about the podcast and like, maybe we can do some kind of 
uh, promotion there where we give our listeners a, yep. an affiliate link where they can save yep. some money on some really good gear. Um, I just want to outfit myself, make sure that, you know, you're outfitted and, and that's the, the main thing for the podcast here is just, we're not doing this to make sure that we have the gear just selfishly for ourselves to tell you how great right. it is. Right. The partnership aspect of this is that we're going to wear the gear. We're going to test the gear. We're going to find the good about it, find the bad about it, talk to Kurt, talk to people within. And I don't know the weight of our suggestion on those things, yeah. but they will, they will definitely be given weight as far as uh, they trust us enough to send us the gear to test it. They trust us enough to put their name behind the podcast. And yep. there's just so many, there's really avenues as, as things are successful and as things do well, the doors just keep opening within that, that range. So not necessarily for more partnerships, but within the born primitive outdoor spectrum of things that we can do, uh, things that we can offer. So it, it just seemed like from a, from a very foundational standpoint at the very, very basic level of conversation and two, two men talking on the phone that don't know each other, but have vetted one another by the, the peripheral community around each of us. Um, it was right. just a simple, like I already knew that I was inclined to think that that would be a good idea. We'd actually talked about that. Um, yep. And just to have that conversation and to have it flow so smoothly, it made perfect sense to, to continue forward and, and do something a little, a little bit deeper. And then, you know, like we talked about in January after hunting season is over, we all sit down, we talk about likes, dislikes. And then from a personal relationship, we talk about that from a professional relationship. We talk about that. And I just think that it, rather than trying to have everything right now, we just agreed to take this as a step-by-step -step process because they're growing, we're growing. And the goal is that the partnership, we can make them better. They can definitely make us better. So that's the ins and outs of it, more or less. Uh, always want to try to be transparent about it. They, uh, the product is the exchange. The information and the feedback is the exchange. So that's, that makes me feel really good about it. Cause I, I don't like getting for nothing. You know, I like to, to give when I get and, um, you know, kind of putting my ass on the line, wearing their gear in some different conditions is, you know, that's yeah. a valuable, that's a valuable resource for them and, and yourself too. So looking yeah. forward to that. Um, and again, if anybody's listening to this, that, that feels like they might qualify for that, uh, position of, you know, Hey, you're a friend of ours. We use your product. We've talked about it. Definitely reach out. Like, yeah, don't don't feel sure. embarrassed about that. Don't feel like we're we're looking for that necessarily. But when the right options present themselves, yeah. um, it's just a good thing when when everybody's on the same page and able to talk about it freely. So if you got an idea, definitely just pitch it our way, even if it's for, for sure. an episode or just a mention on the story. Like the focus of mine has always been to highlight my friends, to highlight yes. the people that are doing cool stuff that I don't think enough people know about that I can maybe put a flashlight's worth of emphasis on and help them be seen by somebody else that'll see it same, maybe the same way I did. So, right. you know, it doesn't have to be a big deal. It doesn't have to be anything much at all, but you know, I want to help my friends. I want to help people I care about. So, um, yeah, use this well, as a resource. And, and what's cool is a couple of things as, as far as all this concerned, one to just go right off of that, where, with this project, with the show, with all the stuff that we're doing, like it's not either of our main thing that we do right. for like revenue or for income or anything like that for either of us. So 
I think so far, so far since we've been doing this podcast, the revenue has been zero. Exactly. Zero dollars. Exactly. Zero (laughs) dollars. Maybe even cost me a few dollars somewhere. It's definitely cost me something. (laughs) Pieces of my soul. (laughs) But having that, having that situation is actually nice for us in these scenarios where we're working with companies that like we want to build relationships with. Cause it's not like if, if both of us stop doing what we were normally doing, quit both of our jobs. And like, we're all going all in on peace, love and meat. There would be some probably different types of decisions made because now we're both like, okay, this has to generate something for us, yeah. but that isn't the case with what we're doing. And so that gives us a little bit more opportunity, a little bit more leeway to kind of do things in a different way that is probably different than how a lot of other podcasts approach a lot of these partnerships with other companies, which is cool. Yeah. Well, that was, that was our goal from pretty much the rip, you know, it was, um, we'd actually talked about that. Like our goal is not to make a lot of money from this. And you know, that sounds kind of silly in a day and age where time is money and you're putting effort into something. That is not my goal. My number one goal with this has always been to educate, to help educate, um, other people, you know, as far as in, in like other people that can educate you on, on a particular topic or subject to highlight people that are doing really cool things to erase the idea that you can't write in a journal to erase the idea that you don't know how to train, like to yep. really just remove barriers and help people. Now, yep. that being said, I am smart enough to know that if that is done well and done properly and people appreciate there's a reciprocate reciprocation process that occurs somewhere, sometimes financially, sometimes it's a door opening, but I know that if we commit to doing good things, good things will happen. And I don't want to confine that just to financial success. And I think for a lot of podcasts, that's what they get into is it starts becoming, uh, when you start it out, you want to grow it. So it's like, all I care about some viewers and subscribers. Then the next part is, well, how can I turn these subscribers into, to monetary gain? And that, you know, then it becomes a monetary issue. And I think to your point uh, and not trying to pat ourselves on the backs or or make ourselves martyr for something, but you know, the idea that we don't have to generate anything from this and be, to be okay, allows us to generate cooler things, maybe in a little bit haphazard way relative to the norm, but that's, that's going to be honest. And uh, you know, we're going to make mistakes along the way. I'm sure of that, but every step of the way we're learning too. So I don't know. I just try to, I try to keep the mind frame that I want this page to be very transparent about everything that we got going on. I want people to feel like it is a community uh, of people trying to get better and do better. And if, if I am doing better in some way, um, you know, even if it's a small thing, like extending a a discount on a product or something like that, it's something, you know, it's, it's just a, it's just a way to keep the the giving door going. Um, So I don't know. I feel, I feel good about it. And I was just going to say, I feel good about it. You know? Yeah, me too. And one of the things I was going to say too was like, I know it's the case with you, but even so with me in the last year plus where, um, I've been more, uh, I've been more public about posting hunting things. Cause you know, for a long time I was like, dude, I'm brand new. Why do I need to post any of this stuff? Nobody's going to listen to me, but it wasn't necessarily about listening to my advice. Right. It was more just about sharing the stuff that I'm, I'm learning at the same time being new to this in adulthood. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and all the processes I've gone through and learning stuff. But I mean, I would, I would venture to guess what 70% of the questions you get are about gear. 
like yeah. what kind of stuff you're using like why do you like it whether it's whether it's bows whether it's a arrow setup whether it's your clothes your shoes like whatever i get a ton of those too and yep. so for us to have a situation where it's like hey we actually went out with the purpose of finding out if this was going to be legit stuff and testing it and seeing what we liked mm -hmm. about it and we like it and so now as a thank you for listening and being a part of all the stuff that we've been doing like now now here's a little something back for you guys to save some on this stuff and like, yeah. that was really a big part of why i wanted to do something like this too because i know that i get so many of those questions and mm -hmm. especially there's other guys that are like me that are coming into hunting as an adult with like zero knowledge about this stuff yeah. And the fact that they're even starting is amazing. And I'm so, and I'm so pumped if like we played even a remotely small part in that. Right. Yeah. But to be able to offer some insight be like, look, this is what we like. This is why we like it. And you've been supportive. Like here's whatever, you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Well, so, and I think too, that it opens the door that anybody that <clears throat> anybody that listens to this or, or kind of goes the avenue of accessing born primitive through us, I would 100% encourage your feedback to us. Uh, and that can be just another channel that's a benefit. I mean, I think the more people that are using a product, the more people that are giving honest feedback about a product, the yep. better the product can become. And that is the commitment that I heard from Kurt yesterday. I, I can't and I won't dispel all of his plans, but I can tell you as a person who, who knows business and understands the process of business, if you're not planning you're not progressing. So yep. for him to come into a new situation, he's very much coming from a battlefield mindset. I think it's like, we need to know the reasons why, and we need to understand how we're going to do our why. And I, it, it just seems like to me, um, he has a very, very clear vision for someone who's only been on the job just a few weeks and really a few months in that transition uh, period with the, with the Navy. Um, it seems like to me, he has a firm grasp on who they are, what they've been and where they're going and the iterations to come uh, as someone who is a kind of a gear gearhead, gear junkie kind of always loves to tinker. That's his brain set around these pants, these shirts, like what zipper can we change to make quieter? What, yeah. uh, what fabric can we use? That's more durable. So he's asking all these questions as they go, putting the stamp of what we're selling you right now is great what is coming is definitely going to be a better iteration of that. So yeah. you can feel confident. I mean, it's just like a bino harness situation I'm in right now from T and K. Yeah. I bought a, I bought a gen two bino harness and yeah. it's fun. I mean, it's I really, have. really good. I really, really like it. Have no, have real, no, really no beef with it whatsoever, but I got a couple other bino harnesses to try and test and use. And I can see things that I would change on it. Well, lo and behold, you know, he's a smart guy. Gen three comes out and yep. it's adapted. Some of those things doesn't make that bino harness any less valuable, any less resourceful. It's just more like having leather seats versus yeah. like, like cloth. You know, there's some, there's some comfort, there's some familiarity to it. So that's going to be the same type of situation here. And, and I'm excited just to have a thumbprint on that in any level. Um, like I said, I, I told Kurt yesterday, I mean, I was grateful for the, for the time that I got to hunt because I did hunt so much was probably the, well, not probably it was far and away. And I, and I have to give credit to Cryptech here too, because I use their gear as well, but the layering system, the pants system, especially uh, the base layer up top and that frontier quarter zip, 
I threw a camo top on when I was in Whitetail Woods. I threw on a, a the Cryptek uh, outer shell when I was in really really cold weather. I needed something quiet. Yeah. Um, you know, it it functioned with my other functional camo. And for the most part, I hunted in solids last year. The sage green and the yeah. coyote worked really really well for everything I was doing. I so just love solids. Well, they just look cool. I mean, I'm I think just, they're I don't, yeah. I, don't, I think there's, they. There's, I don't know if it's just like this romantic idea I have of being awesome without needing camo. You know yeah. what I mean? Oh, for <laughs> like, sure. Like yeah. I just yeah. love the idea of just rocking everything in solids and and doing that. Like I mean, whether or not it's actually you know, I'm sure there's there's obviously situations where camo is going to be a benefit. Otherwise, there wouldn't be an entire industry built around it. But yeah. like I just. I, I have this, like I said, sort of romantic idea about just being solids, everything. And I think it's probably because a lot of that stuff we've talked about where it's like, you know, guys, 70, 80, 100 years ago, or, you know, like our grandfathers or great grandfathers are out just hunting and wranglers and yeah. like whatever jacket was hanging on the hook by the door when they walked out the morning, in the morning, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> I love that. It's, it's, uh. I think it's uh, hard times make hard men is a, is a good starting point for that scenario, <laughs> you know? Um, but you know, it's, it comes into question and, and this is kind of a, a cool point too. One, I have to credit Aaron a lot because whatever, whatever our conversation was, I know I demented it in my brain. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I know it wasn't yeah. him, him saying like, I'm giving you these pants because you're going to become <laughs> this great hunter. Or I'm helping you with your bow because I believe you're right. going to become this great recurve person. But that's the kind of person I am, especially with people yeah. that I look up to, like my sure. coaches and whatnot. If they ask me to run through a wall, I'm running through three walls. Yep. So w- when I felt like he said, test these pants, test these tops, I was going to freaking test those pants and tops. Mm-hmm. And I did. Arizona, they survived. And I've shredded pant after pant after pant in Arizona. Um, and the same thing with the bow kind of deal. But for me, um, I never ever hope to come across as like some kind of expert because I'm just an excited uh, yeah. uh, amateur. You know, like I'm still yes. learning all this stuff very, very excitedly. Uh, I like things that I can build and tinker with and learn about. And it's got math involved. It's got physics involved. It's got flight involved. I mean, it's yeah. just a really, really cool thing that I've become obsessed with in watching an arrow with a, with a set of veins on it that turns perfectly. I don't mm-hmm. know why that, that makes me excited, mm-hmm. but I know how hard it is for me to do that yes. and like understanding that. So, you know, if I overshare too much with the archery and gear stuff, it's just because I'm excited about it. But I do think that that is an honest place that people are yeah. finding value here too. You know, it's a, yeah. it's a cool thing, man. This is, this has been really cool. It has been. And I want to, I want to, go off a different direction here because if we can have a on air production meeting for a couple of minutes, because this idea just like popped in my head this morning and I forgot to bring it up while we were chatting before we hit record. Um, But we've been talking about doing a run of our own, you know, shirts or whatever here and there and doing some limited run stuff. And I had this uh, like having just a basic peace, love and meet one with the logo or whatever. But I had Mm. this literal, I have to draw it because it was in my head earlier yep. today. Uh, but it was just a a line of stuff that would just be a plus one symbol. Mm. And it yeah. was 
whether or not, and, and like how I flesh it out and how it looks, probably have to have some input from somebody that's a lot better designer than I am. But, uh, like having something like that, I thought, I was like, you know, that's like literally what we put on every post ever. And yeah. uh, that's one that people really connect with is the plus one thing and having a, a like a, you know, a circle logo on a hat that just is yeah. like how the plus one thing or whatever would be dope. But I, I wanted to say that out loud before I forgot about it. And now that it's <laughs> recorded, I can go back and hear it again. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I think that's really cool. And I think the, the symbolism of, you know, that being the first run, the, that being the first run, yeah. you know, the plus one is like, that is a big step because for me, I've been so, I've been so many dimensions um, yeah. with this page that, you know, I didn't want to move forward with something that I didn't start with. And that oftentimes prevented a lot of starting, sure. you know, um, cause Terrence and I were on the verge of doing some stuff. Uh, Greg and I had flirted with doing some stuff, you know, and it just, none of it, uh, none of it fell apart for bad reasons. It's just, you know, COVID was crazy. Greg was crazy, like busy and trying mm-hmm. to keep everything going. I was crazy yep. and busy and trying to keep everything going. Yep. So it just, you know, and, and admittedly the podcast just stopped because I, I yeah. just didn't feel like I was contributing anything other than anger. And if it was something positive, I was lying. I just wasn't in a good mm. place where I wanted to talk to a whole lot of people and make it sound like life was good. Life wasn't bad, but right. it was just like, I didn't have a lot of good things to say about the world at large. Yeah. So to come back to it with, from this front, from this angle, um, it's definitely had a positive spin uh, like totally positive spin. And I think now it's like, okay, we've got our footing on where we're going. So yeah, a line yep. makes sense. And I, and I definitely like that plus one. Um, I think it, I, you know, I think like with a brand, like just do it, um, yeah. almost is more synonymous with Nike than Nike, but yep. it's like the plus one is the thing. That's what started yep. the whole thing. Um, yep. so I think it's a good point for a Genesis line on some shirts, some hats, a few stickers, um, and really maybe even put those together as like a, an option for a, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to make it sound too crazy. <laughs> no, it's good. We're doing, it's a Rolls, like, like we put it in a Rolls Royce, you know, you buy the Rolls, you get a shirt kind of thing, you know, it's like one of those deals. Right. No, yeah. but, uh, but there's, there's some ways that we can make that fun. Um, yeah. Like I said, we've always got good companies around us. We've always got good people around us and, uh, you know, there's a way to, to make these, these a little sweeter than just a t-shirt or something like that and highlight people sure. that, that we like. So for sure. So if we want to move on, we'll yeah. do, uh, there was a couple other things that I wanted to, to touch on today. One of which, um, was a fairly common question, uh, that I've been getting the last couple of weeks and I'm sure, it, you know, you probably get it too this time of year in general, mm-hmm. um, has to do with, you know, with training, as we're entering hunting season. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the thing for a lot of people who take their training seriously as prep for hunting season, like I, the, the way that we even use the term season. Yeah. Right? Like where, if, especially if you're coming from any kind of training or athletic background at all, it is literally like you're training for your football season. You know, you sure. have your off season, you have your, your preseason stuff, you have postseason stuff, but then you have like what actually matters that you're training for all year long. Right. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things I think a lot of people maybe are miss or have some gaps is there's no adjustment made during that time in their training. Right. Right. right? Because it's like you can't 
crush yourself all year long to prep for the thing where you need to be peaked and ready to go be back in the mountains for however many days or be, you know, be at whatever peak shape you need to be in. And then at that same time, you're doing that stuff, still be crushing yourself and not have the recovery or like you're pulling away from that peak performance, right? It's it's no different than like training for a powerlifting meet where you have your taper week, you have all these things that you're doing. It's same with a race. Like you have this, you know, this methodical approach to it where it's like, this is game time. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, you know, to sum that up, the questions, I got a couple of them from some different people, but it's like, how do we make those adjustments? You know, I've just, because it came from the place where like, I've just been training hard and I've been, you know, either they're following our stuff for the last couple of months or they've been doing stuff prior to that where they're training hard. But now Mm -hmm. it's like, I don't have a in-season plan. Right. And like, I don't want to not train throughout the whole season, but how do we go about making those adjustments to where I'm still training and still at the minimum maintaining, but Mm. I I should be in that place where like, this is my peak time of the year. I need to be feeling good. Like what type of things do we need to be incorporating or subtracting from our normal training to get us and keep us ready during this whole next couple of months or however long it is for people? Well, I think we can break that down into two parts. Um, One is maintaining and the other is progressing. So, the cool thing about the human body is it does a really good job of maintenance once once it's adapted to a level. So this is where it's beneficial as and this is kind of the concept of the the book that I wrote, the 365 Strong book, um, which really the idea for me was the beginnings of understanding what an expert generalist was. I didn't necessarily always need to care about my peak maximum total if I continuously moved my 70 percent forward which 70% should be attainable under a barbell on your worst day with the flu punched in the gut right before your set. You know, like you should be able to muster 70% for a set no matter how terrible you feel. So I developed the idea if we can always focus on that 70% range and keep that number growing without much effort elsewhere, the maximum will by default improve. Now, you can't right. get so over-specified at 70% that you that you only progress there, but you stimulate the majority of your focus around, on my worst day, am I stronger? In my worst day, am I stronger? That will lead to the progression of the maximum without having to kill yourself for this tiny window where you have this super compensation phase where you put on 100 pounds on your squat in like yep. 10 weeks. Yep. It might be more like 30 or 40 pounds on your squat in 10 weeks, but what does that mean about how relatively strong you are to your capability at all times? Right. Right. So that was the, that was the mode that I went into thinking for that 365 strong book. And that's what I'm going to think about someone on the mountain. The version of yourself today is going to be the predecessor to one year from now. And what you do with those 365 days, if you, if you lag off, once the season starts, and I mean, you're going to be working hard in the mountain, but you're not hunting every single day of the, the hunting season. So if you lag off once you kill your elk or your mule deer or your whitetail or whatever it may be, and just get fat through Thanksgiving and Christmas, like I did a couple of years ago, you know, I thought I was going to just take it off and enjoy myself. And like January 1st, I'll kick back off. Well, January 1st ended up being about April before my training really started to feel functional and, and progressive again. Yep. So don't get off the train. That's the number one rule. Like if you want to be a mountain hunter, the mountain is your mission 365 days a year. 
every single day, because every single day you need to be getting somewhat incrementally better towards your end mission, which is the mountain. Now there will be peaks and valleys in your trainings to emphasize that, but maintenance level is the number one goal. What can you do day in and day out when you feel your worst? That's, that's the number that we need to focus on because I can promise you in a hard mountain hunting situation, you will be hungry at times. You'll be sleep deprived. You will be sore. You'll be achy. You will have every single thing that can go wrong, go wrong. And you still have to be at that level period. Like there is no, there is no other way. So that's what you need to train around is on your worst day. What is the maximum output that you can give? I think that comes through a a balance of hypertrophy conditioning and isometric as well as rucking. I think those four principles for a mountain type athlete are the most important. You need a lot of conditioning. You need a lot of rucking. The hypertrophy portion is going to come somewhat into the point where you're building the muscle, knowing that you're going to tear it down to a level when you're on these extreme hunts. The isometric level just comes to the third wave of strengthening muscle. You have eccentric, concentric, and isometric. Why would we be on a mountain pushing our body or any athletic endeavor, pushing our body to the extreme, asking the best of it and negating training for one of the aspects that is muscular strength. So for me, those types of, of approach are the most important. Now, as you build those in whatever wave system you go about, when the season starts, you need to reduce the volume load. Okay. Not if you're taking one month or one week per month for three months or four months, your training really shouldn't change much at all. It should look almost identical. Just absolve, just, just resolve yourself to the idea that that week of, of hunting on the mountain for elk, that is more impactful to your body than any training you'll do in the gym. Okay. So that is a beneficial week. Now the following week off the mountain, I would encourage you to lighten the load a little bit, maybe make it a deload week, but definitely don't just take off. You need to resume the training and continue forward because next month you've got to hunt. So every time that you take off is a step backwards. And Bill Gillespie is one of the biggest believers in that. If you miss a day of training in a training cycle, you have to start over at day one. That's how, that is how fundamentally convinced he is that a missed day of training is that critical. I'm not necessarily trying to tell every mountain hunter that that's that way. But what I am trying to say to you is whatever system you follow throughout the year needs to be the same system that you follow throughout your season. Maybe, maybe you take that week off whenever you're out in the hunt, but I still like to move around. I still like to do some pushups. I still like to do some pull-ups. I don't do that thinking that it's making me better. I do that thinking it's accountability to a process that I do when I'm at home. So, I wouldn't change a whole, whole lot. Now, if you're a guy that is going to go on three, four weeks of consecutive hunts, like some guys are doing now, that's where it gets a little bit tricky for me. Okay. You're going to need to simulate some sort of training as tired as you will be, as frustrated as you will be, as hungry as you will be. You will need to carry rocks. You will need to do shoulder presses with rocks. You'll need to do push ups, pull ups, something two to three days a week while you're hunting. Two to three days a week as an idea that this is going to be kept. Whatever I am is going to be kept. Now, the hardest part of that equation is, are you stimulating and eating enough protein to actually keep what you're saving? You know, or is the extra work actually compromising muscle gain or muscle Mm. retention? So those are, those are all things that people need to be asking themselves. Like I'm pretty depleted today. I went on four stalks for six hours and covered 2000 feet, 3000 feet of elevation in the process. 
um, yep. probably don't need to go back and lift rocks, you know, <laughs> right. but if you glassed for eight hours and maybe, and, and maybe hiked for a mile and a half. Yeah. Go yep. back and hell, if it's light out still, why, why aren't you hunting? But other than that, like maybe get up a little early the next morning, take a 10, 15 minute walk, stretch, get loose, do yeah. some stuff in the morning. And that's honestly, I can tell you right now as, as having done both, I've lifted at night in camp at Chino after I've hunted. I've gotten up early and I've done a third of, well, not even a third, maybe a half the time that I would do in the, in the evening. I've done 20, 25 minutes in the morning, just kind of like mobilizing, stretching. I would call it like a flow yoga, but I'm not doing traditional poses. I'm just kind of moving my body and swinging my arms. Um, very Troy Casey. Uh, yeah. certified health nut, <laughs> right. but, uh, to a better point, then I start doing some push ups and pull-ups and things like that. And by the end of 15, 20 minutes, I've got a pretty good sweat. Those hikes in are better. You know what I yep. mean? Like they're, they're a little bit easier. You're already a little bit warmed up. The fog is gone. Um, and as far as getting stronger through the season, sorry to ramble on about the maintenance, but I feel like I kind of had to lay some groundwork there. Yeah, um, sure. as far as for, for progression, if you're going to be someone that is on a three to four week hunt, you need to just remind yourself that that is all you're doing right now. And you are just striving to hold on to what you've got. There's no progressive yeah. of strength physique. You will get leaner. I promise yeah. you, you will get leaner yeah. if you're hunting hard for four weeks, but um, you will not necessarily need external stimulation beyond the hunt. Sure. Now, if you're going to, like I said, if you're going to be someone that hunts maybe two weeks a, a month for two or three months, that's going to get a little bit tricky. You're going to have to weave in a couple days, which I would say maybe an upper body day specific and a lower body day specific, and then maybe just a body weight day. Two to three days a week if you're going to have that two weeks out of the month where you're dedicated to hunting. While you're gone on those hunts, do an upper body workout, do a lower body workout, and then just do a body weight workout. You'll be fine. Yeah. The, the next weeks, those interval weeks, just go resume right back to a little bit more than a deload. You don't have to dip down so far to a deload level, but just a little bit less than a normal training day. That's yep. that's really the only way I think you can progress under those models. And I think the, the other way to look at it, to piggyback off the last thing you said, was <coughs> talking about how much you're hunting. You know, like I would even say most people aren't hunting remotely as long as, as that in a lot of instances, like two, two weeks a month or whatever, you know what I mean? Like most people, it's like, I get a few weekends in October when the season's open or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, it's not a huge thing. So in those scenarios, like that's even less of a chance that you need to actually think about changing a whole bunch. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you're not really having to adapt from a ton to go into this situation. If you're, all you're doing is doing, you know, you got a three day weekend here, and then in two weeks, you got another three-day weekend, and then that's it. There's really no need to change anything. No, I don't uh, think so. And I think anybody yeah. that's telling you otherwise is probably trying to sell you something otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, because the truth of the matter is it's always going to be meat and potatoes. The yeah. things that are going to get you better are going to be redundant. They're going to be boring. Yeah. They're going to be simple. They're not going to be sexy. They're going to be fundamental movement. And I will tell you this as a strength coach, and I know you know this too, most people – that fall into line of trying these higher end, excuse me, kind of niche exercises. One are probably the least people in need of those things because, yeah. you know, um, because either they're still too overweight to, to really utilize any benefit from that sculpting. And two, um, 
they're just trying to isolate a muscle group to the finite point rather than getting the entire muscle group stronger. Like it's like, Oh, I just want my, I just want my gastroc bigger. So I'm going to do these (laughs) and they've got chicken legs. You know what I mean? It's like, let's just, let's just make the leg stronger. And and by default that will get bigger, more muscular. And then hopefully if you're eating correctly, leaner, same thing for the mountain athlete. Like you need to look at yourself as a leg piston machine. You need to be squatting. I think you need to be deadlifting and you don't need to be deadlifting with your back. You need to be deadlifting like you're leg pressing. When you leg press, you grab onto those handles and you push the the machine away from your body. Same thing for me. When I change that thought process on the deadlift from, Hey, I'm pulling this up. And oftentimes I would hinge too high of legs, too high hip um, and hinge position to this is a leg press. I would hold on to the, the bar just like it was the leg press handles. I would position my chest a little bit higher and I would try to squat, push, leg press, whatever you want to call it, jump away mm-hmm. from the floor. It corrected my form. It corrected my thinking of my process of form. And it actually gave me a biological or a biomechanical advantage to my movement yeah. by thinking of it differently. You know, so when you're don't run from the deadlift When you hear me say you need to be deadlifting, don't run from that. Another really cool caveat on deadlifting is if you do it with a trap bar at the end of your set, you can walk with it. And guess what? Leg piston yeah. machine, yeah. adding in some farmer's carries or just some heavy ass carries in your hands. Guess yeah. what? I promise you, you're going to have to lift logs. You're going to have to break limbs. You're going to have to do things that don't register when you're just rucking, yeah. get things in your hands, carry heavy stuff, move heavy stuff, move, get down low, get up high, crawl mm-hmm. over things like Think about your training. I don't understand how people say that mountain training is boring because literally it's parkour. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) if you just want to call it weighted parkour, like it really can be like bear crawls and all that kind of stuff can be so, so beneficial. Um, I don't know. I I just think people overcomplicate the wheel. And I really do think that the number one thing is just think about your training. How hard did I work today on the mountain? Did I do enough to warrant not working out a little bit? No, yeah. do a workout. Next time that I kick, I got my ass kicked and it was a hundred degrees today. Probably need rest and hydration. Skip the gym. Yeah. Like just use, I mean, let's just, just say fuck the last 20 minutes of my rambling and let's just reduce it down to that. If you yeah. got, if you kicked your ass on the mountain that day, don't worry about it. Eat good, yeah. sleep good and hydrate. If you didn't do very much, if you just glassed, if you didn't find any animals, you went on one stalk, it was 72 degrees, probably go back and give a little effort. You know, like that's, that's probably as simple as I could have made it. And I'm a retard. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's funny because you, when you said it's basically parkour, I have a story that like highlights that exactly from my elk hunt last year. And this actually ties in before, like earlier, also to earlier conversation we're having. Um, My uncle and I are walking like right below this ridgeline side hill and across and we come up to this spot where we have to kind of hike down a little mm-hmm. bit in order to keep going across because like basically the the ridgeline had ended and we had to kind of climb down this little rocky area then to keep coming across well the, the area that we're starting to climb down like literally climbing down kind of this little small rock face it's a bunch of just loose shale rock right below us. And so like we have to literally, I mean, poles are in the ground and we are digging in and like you're up to your calf in this loose, like pay dirt with all this rock and stuff kind of yeah. trying to side here once you get down. And I was like, dude, we got to go super slow. Cause one of us could slip 
and slide and we could go all the way to the bottom. You have no idea. Well, that's almost exactly what happened to me. Like I'm walking across and I just had one misplaced step Yeah. and I have my bow in one hand and I have one pole in another and I literally slip and, and look like I'm baseball sliding yeah. down the mountain for, I think probably about a hundred feet, 120 <laughs> feet, right? Like I'm literally just sliding down. I'm like, I'm looking down. I'm like, I have no idea if I'm going to stop until I get to the bottom. And it's probably 850 feet to the, to the Creek bottom from where we are. Right. Shit. And so I finally stop. I catch myself on like, I finally found a big rock that I kind of brace my foot on. And I stand up and I turn around and look back up. My uncle's like, dude, are you all right? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. And I look down and the entire like hip outside thigh of my pants had completely shredded off. So literally just like my whole ass cheek is showing on my right side <laughs> through my pants. Like it ripped through my, my base layer on the bottom. And I'm like, I'm like, I've got a couple of scrapes on my elbows. I'm like, I'm fine. All's good. I'm fine. Yeah. So from there, there's no way to make it back up to the top because you can't climb up that stuff. Right. So right. It kinda, it, and luckily we're on our way out. But it made our way out way more difficult because now we're like, well, crap. Now we literally have to go all the way to the bottom and walk out through the creek bottom. Yeah. And then you get to the bottom and there's all the willows and all the dogwood and all that stuff that you have to kind of fight through. Yeah. We're, like, we're not doing this. So we literally push through and get to the actual creek yeah. that's coming through, the small part of the, the tributary of the river that was coming through right there. And from where we were all the way back to the, the main trailhead was like a mile and a half or something mm. from where we were. So we we're kind of close to getting out. But in the creek bottom, in all this stuff, in the river are these stones that are like, I don't know, the, the biggest ones are like 10 feet across. And oh, it yeah. really looks like a Mario game of all these giant stones going all the way through. And we're like, look, we're on our way out. We're not looking for animals right now. Like, let's just kind of have some fun as we're on our way out because this whole afternoon has been kind of sucky, right? Right, right. And so the two of us were literally leapfrogging on these stones like the whole way out for a mile and a half. And it kind of became like a game yeah. where we're like, Ooh, I'm going to make it to that one. We're like, dude, you can't make it to that one. Right there. <laughs> and like there was a couple of missteps and got wet a couple of times, but I was literally thinking like, is this was mountain parkour that we were doing. Yeah. And we each had like our, our 30 pound packs, like giant <laughs> Evo packs on. And we're like, this is legit. And we got back to the thing and we're like, we are smoked right now, but that oh, was yeah. fun as hell, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, um, that's kind of how it was when, we were packing out the elk i mean and to round that out that means i need new pants so that came at a nice oh hell yeah <laughs> nice plug plug yeah right um but yeah that same thing happened to me with the elk i mean you know you're kind of just same deal we had gotten the elk the night before it was a terrible uh, hike out we had some issues with water and uh just the timing of things it got really sketch and then uh the next morning we go out and you know it's like we're in the worst worst part of this bowl and uh, we're, we're kind of in the in the pitch bottom of the bowl. So we get yep. the elk on and, uh, you know, we're, we're all hiking it out. We did have a good crew, so it was just one trip in, one trip out. And I don't remember exactly, maybe 2.3 miles. Not, not, a, not a brutal, brutal hike at all, but it was brutal conditions. And we're, we're just hiking along. And then Rodney started singing, just kind of. And then one of the guys was like, ah, you can't sing, blah, blah, blah. And then the shit talking started, you know? <laughs> and it was funny how something that sucks so bad started to be fun, you know, because, yeah. and when I look back on that pack out, I think Steve Rinella is the one that uh, Rogan mentioned saying this, but like you, you, you have like this high intensity excitement on a roller coaster, but you don't ever yeah. really think yeah, about yeah. it again. And then like the worst things in your life become like the things you cherish the most. 
that yep. was kind of one of those uh, deals with this pack out because it was just it just sucked. But I look back on it now, and it's like, man, we were laughing and cutting up and talking shit to each other, and you know, watching. I mean, I busted my ass and hit a cactus, and we all laughed about that, and they <laughs> yeah. they talk shit, you know. So I don't know, man. It's it's funny how that works, but anyway. <laughs> enough of that <laughs> um i was gonna make one more point on uh on the training side of things mm. because one of the things that as a as an athlete like it was so funny to ever see this happen especially in college when you'd think it wouldn't have happened as often as it did but like you're you're training for this thing however long and it comes to like race day right we came to a meet and some guys on my team mm. like all of a sudden they're like, dude, we got this new like pre-workout we're going to take before our race, get like jacked up, right? Like feel good and all that kind of stuff. So I'm like, have you ever taken it before? They're like, no, we just got it yesterday. And I'm like, so why would you take it before a race? Not knowing how you're going to deal with it. Like, you know, it could be horrible. Like yeah. you could start like having a horrible reaction and they'll start puking on the freaking start line. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and they're like, oh, well, we'll be fine. It's just, you know, pre-workout or whatever. And, and one of them was fine. And the other one's like, dude, I felt like garbage that whole time. I'm like, well, no crap, dude. Like you've literally never done this before. And so this idea of like, I train all year a certain way. And then the week I'm getting ready for a hunt, I'm going to start doing all this stuff I've never done before. Or like when yeah. I get up on the mountain, I'm going to start consuming all these things I've never consumed before thinking it's going to help me if, with my energy levels on the mountain, not knowing at all how you're going to react to that different stimulus. Yeah. Like the week of the thing is not is never the week to try a, a new thing, yeah. you know, because like you just don't have enough time to realize how it's going to how you're going to feel doing it. Well, I'll say this too, um, it gets expensive, but those, uh, those mountain meals, you know, the, the kind of dehydrated meals, I think it's a good, a good practice that when you're two weeks out from your hunt, just start eating one of those, uh, every couple of days or every day, yeah. to, you know, start letting your body adjust to that. Because I'm telling you, I've been in camps with guys that went from the switch They've got high sodium and they got a lot of stuff, you know, they're, they're good meals, but they got a shitload of sodium. Um, and guys just, I mean, they're shitting through screen doors. You know what I mean? Like it just (laughs) destroys them. And I've never had that problem, but I've always kind of done that, that process is, you know, at least a few days before I go just to try them, honestly, like which, you know, which ones do I want? And that's what I do is I'll usually go buy two or three, try them if i like them i'll get more for the hunt if i don't i'll I'll get something else but i do that for a couple weeks before i go on the hunt and you know i don't think one meal a day like that's going to hurt you when it starts eating like two or three of them where it starts adding up pretty quick so um i can just kind of condition my body that way and same thing for water like when i know that i'm only going to be relying on water that's you know i'm a coke zero whore like i i love those (laughs) things so um i kind of switched my mindset to if if i can all only have water out here that's all i'm going to start drinking so you know i'll put electrolytes protect or whatever in them but um it's basically i just get i just get ready early you know yeah exactly and it reminds me there was this cool story i'd heard and i I think it was about it was it was about forrest griffin okay it was when he was at his like at his peak when he was at the top you know uh, he would, as it started to get closer to fight week, 
and his camp started, you know, as it, mm. getting more dialed and stuff <clears> as they get closer, <throat> he would start doing his training at like 11 p.m. at night. Oh, yeah. He's like, this is I'm I'm the main event on this card. I'm not fighting until, you know, 10, 15 at the earliest, assuming every fight before me gets, you know, first round finishes. Right. You know, like and so just that small thing of like you have to do these things, how you're going to be doing them on the mountain, not like waiting. Like if he trained at 6 a.m. every morning for 12 weeks and then he doesn't fight until 11 p.m. the night of fight week like that would absolutely jack somebody up just from a preparedness yeah. standpoint and so mm -hmm. it's things like that where you're like the week of is never the time to test things no no and i think that's one of the things that people do too is they you know not to get back on the bow and the archery stuff too much but whether it's your rifle maybe maybe lesser degree your rifle because once you zero a rifle you're pretty good but um yep. you know people wait until a week before season to get new strings and get a new peep and get new arrows and get all this stuff. And it's like hunting season starts in September or yep. late, late August every year, you know? Yep. Um, and, and I don't know, maybe I have no place saying maybe people are saving money or whatever, like saving up. But again, like if you have a bow now, you don't have to buy one next year. Like you can just get new arrows. So yeah. I just think people need to, to have a little bit, and this is a perfect segue to kind of close out the show about shoot to eat. Yeah. You know, um, I think people have a very strong overreach of what they believe their capabilities are based on things they can do once out of 10 times. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, I can hit that 40. You know, I can hit yeah. that 40. Well, it's, it's hit or miss for me. Like the way that I would right. grade things. Um, and the shoot to eat challenge, I thought, man, for something where there was like really no prize on the line other than, you know, you got some stuff from Sornex, you got the clean eats. Um, but I mean, I'm talking like in the scope of the internet where everybody's promising you like $50,000 and a, right. a elk hunt of a lifetime, you know, it was just really incentive, <laughs> incentive based around effort. You know, that was the coolest part. Yeah. And um, a lot of people got involved. A lot of people shot all 15 days. A lot of people um, didn't get that opportunity, but they, they shot to their ability. And, you know, that's, to me, that's the win. Like, people giving the effort that they can, trying to squeeze out a little bit more than they've given before. But I hope that people took the feedback that they got from their aero flight, from their shooting capability, and like I talked about it before, really question themselves before they go into the woods. Like you still have time, you know, and nobody's putting a gun to your head saying, unless you have a very specific tag with a very specific date range, nobody's saying you have to go into the woods opening day. Like I know right. everybody, everybody wants to, but let's, let's ask a different equation equation here. If you watched your child drive a car, whatever grade level your shooting was, would you want to turn them loose into traffic, right? You're potentially putting a projectile towards an animal, recognizing that you're not necessarily capable of the accuracy that maybe you should be, or maybe you thought you were. <clears throat> it's okay. Everybody right. has those, has those days, has those, whatever. Um, they, they need adjustments. They maybe need something done. I just think, I think it's really dangerous right now where, the internet has gotten so focused on killing and not the art of hunting that people are 
over anxious to get into the woods. They're over anxious to draw back. They're making shots too quickly, imagining themselves in the photo before the, the animals even been hit by the arrow, you know, um, that's a totally different soapbox and doesn't need to be equated to shoot to eat. But that was just me saying, take care of yourself. Look at your arrow flight. Look at what you're shooting. Ask yourself, honestly, how am I shooting? The shoot to eat thing was 100% one of the most positive things I've been involved with since I've been at Sornex. Um, I was, I was introduced to so many new archers, so many new people that I didn't even know had bows uh, the trad community came out strong represent. Yeah, they did. Um, That's cool. I was so thankful to see some of those names and faces like we talked about before. Um, just because they're, they have helped me. Like I've watched their YouTube videos obsessively trying to understand this stuff and to see them kind of pick it up and get involved with it was really, really awesome. And that's, that's the coolest part to me is finding new people to bring into that fold and really reemphasizing that on the outdoor side, we are a community too, not just uh, an event or not just uh, a band of a few people. Like we are a true community. And when we, we do something like that and you see the community come together, like that just inspires me and tells me that, that we have something really special here that we can, we can build up into something more special. So I'm, I'm excited for it. I know um, when I talked to bird a couple of times throughout, he was really pleased with the way things were going and, to his credit, he's been doing it, I think, two, I know at least two years, maybe three years, just kind of yeah, on his own. Last year. You know, so he um, he was just doing it for his own accountability, and it just kind of grew. That's what Sorenex always does. It starts very, very small and grows outward. So I thought this was great. Um, we got some more stuff coming on that front, too, if people are interested. I know people ask about the stickers and whatnot. Um, we've definitely got some different kind of I'll put quote unquote games slash ideas involved coming up. Nice. So, um, yeah, but it's, it's a, such a good thing. And man, it shows me there's a lot of people with a lot of talent. You know what I mean? Like just hidden talents, really. Like you just look yeah. at their lives and never know it. And then out of the woodworks here, they come and they're shooting to eat, you know, it's, it's yeah, kind of cool. Right. So I don't know. I, I, if anybody's listening to this that participated, just thank you. I, it couldn't have gone better from my opinion. You know, like, uh, you never know what you're going to get when you do something like that. And I think we blew it out of the water. Fun. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, it was fun. Right on, man. Well, we'll wrap it up. And, uh, as far as, <clears throat> as far as a lot of the born primitive stuff, I'll say, make sure you sign up for our newsletter. Yeah. Uh, because there'll be some stuff that we share via the newsletter coming up as far as a lot of that stuff is going. So if you guys want updates on that and then all the other stuff that's coming up here in the next little while, also go, it's on the Instagram page link. And it's also in the show notes below if you're listening on the pod. So that'll do it for today, y'all. Appreciate you guys. Thanks so much.